Live from the WTMJ Mobile Studio at American Family Field, it's the Jeff Wagner Show on Brewers Reopening Day. Sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Holiday Automotive, and Gruber Law Offices. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good morning, Wisconsin. It is Brewers Reopening Day. This is so very cool. As the big voice guy said, I'm broadcasting live from our mobile broadcast facility right outside American Family Field. We'll see how many times I can do the program today and not call it Miller Park, but you know where I am. This is Brewers Reopening Day. It's the kind of the real thing. Now, we had Brewers Opening Day before. Actually, I feel like I've been given a second chance at the baseball season this year because for the first time, probably in over 20 years, I was not at the original opening day in the end of March. I was on vacation. I was in Florida. I listened to, you know, Bob Euchre's call of the game when I was down in Florida. And, of course, if you will remember, that was a big win for the Brewers. They were behind the Minnesota Twins, came back to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth inning with a two-run double by Travis Shaw. And then they went on to win 6-5 to five in the tenth inning, which, I mean, I think has set the, really set the template for what is a great season's so far. I've been saying this for the last couple weeks, and it's one of the things that's so cool about the reopening day. A lot of times, you know, when the season, baseball season starts, everybody has high hopes, hopes for their baseball team, but the, the reality is there's going to be some teams that are going to be competitive, and there's some teams that are not going to be competitive. One of the great things about having a reopening day at the end of June is we have a pretty good idea of where this Brewers team is. And you know what that is? They are tied for first place right now with the Chicago Cubs. They've been playing really, really good baseball, and I understand it's a long baseball season, and you go through a streak where you maybe lose a couple games, but all in all, the Brewers are in first place in the Central Division. They are competing, certainly, for the playoffs, and it's a lot of excitement, and it's going to be tremendous. The game coverage, are the, I think the broadcast starts around 2.30, but we have a lot of stuff between now and then. Here's kind of a little bit of a game plan. We're going to be talking about some you know, current event issues, but a lot of emphasis on baseball. And we have a bunch of great guests lined up. Um, again, our scheduled guests uh, during the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking to Lane Grindle, Brewers broadcaster. At 10 o'clock, in the start of the 10 o'clock hour, we're scheduled to talk to Brent Suter, who, um, of course, star Brewers relief pitcher, spot starter, and Harvard graduate, and a really, really interesting guy. At the start of the 11 o'clock hour, we're scheduled to talk to Brandon Woodruff, and then at 11.35, we're scheduled to talk to Colton Wong, who I I think has just been a tremendous addition to the Brewers this year. When the Brewers ended up signing him, I was so thrilled because I remember year after year just watching him flat out wear out wear us out when he played for St. Louis. And it's so great to have him playing for the Brewers. He's supposed to join me at 1135. So we've got all that coming up. We'll try to give you a little bit of a flavor of what is going on at Miller Park. As I, at Miller Park, there I go, at American Family Field. As I said a couple minutes ago, it, it, it's empty right now. But you know, in <clears throat> just a few hours, things are going to be hopping. Now, technically, the parking lots do not open till right around 1 o'clock, although Rick Schlesinger has indicated that if people start lining up, They don't want to cause traffic congestion, so they might open them up a little bit earlier. But regardless of whether it's 1 o'clock or 
a little bit earlier, there's going to be 35,000-plus people out here during the course of the day getting ready to enjoy a reopening day baseball experience. There are still some good tickets available. It is not a complete sellout yet. But if you decide you want to come out here, great opportunity to do it. They've got all sorts of other special things going on, including the thing that really caught my attention, $1 hot dogs. I mean, dollar hot dogs, thanks to American Family. Can't go wrong with that. But it's going to be a great day. We're going to try to bring you some flavor of that. We're going to take a walk down memory lane. We're going to be talking to players. We're going to be talking to broadcasters. We're going to be telling stories. And we're going to be continuing to keep you updated on the events of the day. Lots of stuff going on. Of course, the big story from the world of criminal justice is Derek Chauvin up in Minnesota. He gets sentenced this afternoon. I've got some thoughts on the sentencing, what people should and should not expect, and the latest on this horrific thing that happened down in Florida. Lots of people just raising this question about in in the United States of America how can a 12-story building collapse we're talking about all that mixed around our opening day coverage it's exciting I'm glad to have you with us and we're back to kick it off in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner WTMJ welcome back Jeff Wagner WTMJ broadcasting live from American Family Field. It is Brewers Reopening Day. A couple of the other cool things that they're going to be having going on here is that it's the return of the racing sausages. Now, if you've been to a ball game since the start of the year, you know that they've had the racing sausages at the very beginning. They had the racing sausages that they'd show them up on the big screen, but they'd be running outside. And then they moved them inside, but the, the route they would run would be along the outfield wall, so they really weren't close to any of the fans. Well, okay, the regular race is back. They're going to start down the left field line, and they will run in front of the dugouts. So I, I think that's going to be, again, one of the kind of cool things that are there. You've got retro weekend. It's kind of 80s weekend. So what you're going to have is today Paul Molitor and Cecil Cooper well-known, two of the perhaps the most famous and successful brewers ever. They're going to be throwing out the ceremonial first pitch. Just a lot of fun stuff's going on. So if you're looking for an excuse to come out and play hooky, like we say, there are some good tickets available. Come on out, get to the reopening game, cheer the brewers on to a win. And here's the test for the real Milwaukee sports fans, because this is a big day. It's a big sports day on WTMJ. It's a big sports day for the entire city, because you've got Brewers opening day that's going on now. First pitch is at 310. And then what do we have going on later on this evening? Oh, yes, we've got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks down at Fiserv Forum for the second game of the NBA playoffs. And if you look at the crowds that have been, first of all, attending the games, but also gathering in the Deer District, you know how jazzed this area is about the Bucks. And don't let that first game loss throw you off a little bit. I mean, it, it's a long series, and my experience is the best team typically wins in a seven-game series. And at least, I don't think I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses. I think the Bucks are the better team. So you know, go on down, cheer them on. Today's a big game. But here's going to be the real interesting dynamic, and it's going to be the challenge for somebody in the print media or the electronic media. Find people that are coming to both of these games. Now, find the folks that are going to be coming out here, tailgating before going to opening day, because first pitch is 310. So, you know, you've got plenty of time to come out here to American Family Field, see the first pitch of the game, watch the ball game, and then 
scoot down to Pfizer Forum and go attend the Bucks game. I'm sure that there are going to be people doing that. I'm sure even if people might not be going to both games, there might be people that are going to be paying attention to maybe going to the Brewers game here and then maybe going down to the Deer District to hang out. But this is a great opportunity for sports fans. Two big events that are going to be coming on back-to-back, but they're close enough in proximity that you could attend both of them if you wanted to do it. How cool is that? Okay, let me take a quick break. When we come back, I want to offer some comments on one or two of the significant and serious breaking news stories of the morning. And then um, coming up after the top of the hour, we start with some of our opening day guests. It's 849. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back, and this is Jeff Wagner broadcasting live from American Family Field. It is the Brewers' reopening day coming up in just a couple minutes. We're going to be talking to Brewers broadcaster Lane Grindle. Later on this morning, we've got guests lined up, Brent Suter, Brandon Woodruff, Colton Wong, one of the new additions to the Brewers this season. A lot of stuff, and we'll continue to give you a flavor of what is going on here. The parking lot is scheduled to open up right around 1 o'clock, but um, typically they'll if people start to line up early, they typically open the gates a little bit early. Um, I hope the weather will hold. Actually, um, right now it is dry, a little bit overcast. They have a flyover that is scheduled weather permitting, so I think they're going to have to kind of make that call as we get closer. Still don't know whether the roof is going to be open or closed, like I say. But regardless, it's going to be a great day. There's going to be 35-plus thousand people out here at American Family Field. So if you're looking for something to do this afternoon and you need an excuse to play hooky, just tell your boss that that Wagner guy on the radio says it's okay. Come on out to American Family Field. Root the Brewers to a win. And then um, keep it tuned to WTMJ. Drive on down to the Deer District. Go to Fiserv Forum and watch the Bucks win game two against the Atlanta Hawks. What a great sports day. All right, there are other things going on in the world. And I did want to offer a couple commentaries on, on some of those things. Perhaps the biggest national story, well, there's two big ones. There's the, the, the collapse of the condo building in Miami that they're still trying to figure out how in the United States of America can a 12-story condo building just, just fall. And again, we have the very unfortunate discussion of right now I think there's still north of 100 people that are, are missing. They're trying to account for them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that all 100 people were in the building because, again, there it's Miami, Florida. It's the summer, um, or it's Surfside, Florida, which is just north of Miami Beach. But it's Florida, so there, there's some people that might have been not been year-round residents. They, so they, they're still trying to track down people. So just because they can't account for over 100 people doesn't necessarily mean that the death toll is going to completely skyrocket. They're working the best they can. So that's one of the big stories. The other big story is the sentencing of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. He's going to be sentenced this afternoon at 1.30, I think, our time, in connection with his conviction in the case of the murder, the second-degree murder of George Floyd. Um, He is looking at 40 years in prison. The prosecution is going to be recommending 30 years. The defense is going to be recommending probation. The sentence, actually, I think, is probably 
going to be somewhere in between. Here, here's the deal. In Minneapolis and in many, many places across the country, including the federal court system, sentences nowadays are based on, on what they call sentencing guidelines. Used to be judges had complete and total discretion. If the maximum penalty was 40 years, a judge could give somebody six months or they could give them 40 years without really having to explain why they were doing that. And what lawmakers found is that was leading to a disparity. You'd have one judge that maybe thought a crime was a really big deal and would hammer a defendant. Then you'd have another judge who didn't think the crime was that big a deal. And the the sentencings that people got were a reflection not just of what they did, but of what judge they ended up getting in front of. So with sentencing guidelines, legislators have tried to set down rules that judges should follow in determining what an appropriate sentence is. And sentencing guidelines, it's if you look at it, it's a table. And on one, one axis of the table, it's what they call offense severity. How severe was the crime? And, and every crime is assigned certain points. And then on the other axis... It's uh, access. What they do is it's called criminal history, and they they give you points for again how many times you've been in trouble. And somebody who has no criminal history at all, well, they're going to be on the low end. And then what you do is you just find okay, how severe was this? It's a grid. How severe was this? What's your criminal history? And you follow the lines down, and you get a sentencing guideline range. In the case of Derek Chauvin, significant crime, but. He has no criminal history. So the sentencing guideline range for his crime is around 12 and a half years. Now, under the law, judges can go above the guideline range if they articulate aggravating factors. Judges can go below the guideline range if they can articulate mitigating factors. You know, come out and say, hey, this is, we know what the range is, but this is why I think it's too severe. So like I say, in the Chauvin case, the guideline range calls for a sentence in the neighborhood of 12.5 years. The judge has already said that he's going to, he's found aggravating factors, so he's going to go over the guideline range. The question is, okay, how much is he going to go over the guideline range? The prosecution, like I say, is asking for, for 30 years. I'm sure that there are going to be members of George Floyd's family and maybe members of the community who think a 40-year sentence is warranted. My guess is that is not going to happen, and I hope people aren't disappointed in that regard. I, I would imagine the sentence, when it's ultimately handed down in this case, is going to probably be in the 15 to 20-year range. If I had to guess, I'd guess it's going to be around 18. Now, it could be larger. Again, it could be smaller. But an 18-year sentence would be, especially for somebody with no criminal record and at his age, it, it would be a very, very significant sentence. Now, some people, I think, would be disappointed with that, but you, you shouldn't expect that it's going to be a 40-year sentence. You shouldn't necessarily expect that it's going to be a 30-year sentence. The judge could certainly do that, but if I had to guess, I would say it would be in the range of 18 years or so because the guideline range is 12 and a half, but there were, in fact, aggravating factors. One of the things I hope is whatever the sentence is, if it's something short of 40 years, and I do believe it's going to be something short of 40 years, I would hope that you know that the community takes it 
considers this to be a, a victim for you know people who are concerned about the, a victory for people who are concerned about social justice, believe that justice is done, and hopefully cooler heads will prevail. Because the bottom line is, um, Derek Chauvin, he's going to be going to prison for a long time. Whether it's 12 and a half years or 15 or 20 or 30 years, he's going for a long time. All right, back with Lane Grindle in just a couple minutes. We're broadcasting live from American Family Field. This is Milwaukee Brewers Reopening Day 2021. Live from the WTMJ Mobile Studio at American Family Field, it's the Jeff Wagner Show on Brewers Reopening Day. Sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Holiday Automotive, and Gruber Law Offices. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. As the big voice guy says, this is Brewers opening, reopening day. 2021. It's actually interesting. We're located in our mobile broadcast facility just outside of American Family Field. And it's interesting because there's starting to be a little bit more activity here, including a number of fans who are pulling up. And I think they're going over to the box office because this is one of the cool things about this opening day, reopening day. There there still are tickets available. Not a lot, but I I think right now they're planning on a crowd of about 35,000. But if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, this is a great opportunity. Come on out. Enjoy it. The weather, well, it's it's warm, and I think, again, even if it ends up raining later on, that's not going to be a big deal because what's the great thing about American Family Field? Well, the great thing is that we have, we have a roof, so you know the game is going to occur regardless. All right, coming up in the course of the program this morning, we are scheduled to be talking to Brandon Woodruff, Brent Suter, Colton Wong, all sorts of great things that are ending up going on here as we take you up to, again, the first pitch, which is around 2.30 in the afternoon. I was sitting here thinking about all the different opening days that we've been to over the years, whether working for WTMJ or or just attending these different opening days. And I will tell you, one of the great things about the reopening day is it's it's not freezing. I think about those old days that we used to attend and go to County Stadium and things of the like, and you never knew whether it was going to be snowing. You never knew whether it was going to be sunny, but 35 degrees. This is a completely different experience out here. It's opening day in June. All right, and I know that there's one guy, at least one guy, who's just as jacked up and jazzed about opening day as I am, and that is my friend and colleague, Milwaukee Brewers broadcaster, one of the voices of the Brewers, Lane Grindle. Lane, good morning. Jeff, always good to talk to you. How are you today? I am well, thank you. You are a proud, as am I, graduate of the University of South Dakota. There's not that many of us in the Milwaukee area, so we always have that in common. Uh, us yotes have to stick together, Jeff. <laughs> That's it. How how cool is this that we're now you know at the end of June and we're doing the reopening day and that you're going to have thirty five or forty thousand people at American Family Field. From your perspective, how great is that? Well, it's it's really amazing. Um, it, it's a point where if you go back to to last year at this time, we were trying to figure out how we were even going to play baseball and. Um, and there, there were times in the lead up to last year's season where it felt kind of, it, it felt kind of like, are we going to get this done? And then we got it done, but with no fans, and it was great because we played baseball, and it was better than nothing. But it also made you every day you came to the ballpark 
long for the days of normalcy again and long for the days that that fans were were back in the ballpark and long for longer car rides home after the game was over <laughs> because you were stuck in yeah. traffic. I mean, those are the things that, that you just were like, man, this is so much different. And so to have the fans back, and, and Jeff, the biggest thing for us as broadcasters is to have that soundtrack under our voice. It's been great having fans this year, but it's going to be even better having full capacity because the fans tell the listener, in my opinion, every bit as much as we can tell them with our words. Um, you hear the roar of the crowd. You hear the reaction to the big plays. Um, and, and, and that puts you in the ballpark as much as anything that us as broadcasters can do. So it's just it's such a welcomed thing, and, and I'm so excited to see the fans you know, pushing through the turnstiles today on their way into the ballpark. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that, Lane, because I, I'm a partial season ticket holder, so I, I go as a fan. I've been to maybe five or six games so far this year, and it's great to be in the stands, but it's still a little bit odd, especially when you're used to coming to Milwaukee Brewers baseball games, and, and there's always 30, 35, 40,000 people in the stands. It's kind of odd to be in American Family Field when there's when there's 10,000, there's 11,000, and there's nobody in the row next to you, and, there, and there's no lines. It really, it, it, it's cool. It's great that you got a little bit, a few of the fans back, but it's not the same, I would imagine, as broadcasting or playing in front of a, a full house. Yeah, I, I, I think the most normal we felt, at least for me as a broadcaster, was Memorial Day. I think we had you know twenty four thousand somewhere around there in the ballpark on that day, and and a lot of the the social distancing restrictions had been lifted right around that same time, and so. Uh, you didn't have everybody so evenly distributed throughout the stadium, which um, just kind of looked strange. <laughs> I mean, to not have people shoulder yeah. to shoulder, and I understood why, and and I get it, and everything else, but it kind of looked different. It was just it was a different atmosphere when it was that way. So you had people kind of sitting in a more normal fashion again, and and that felt like a typical Tuesday night kind of crowd, maybe uh, when school was still in session or something like that. So. It, that felt a lot more normal, and, and we've been getting more and more to that, that to that way over the last couple of weeks. But um, you're, you're right. I mean, I, it was great to just have fans in general. I mean, opening day, to hear the roar of the crowd again and, and have the dramatic win like the Brewers did over the Twins, it was amazing. It was a breath of fresh air for all of us. But it was like after a week of that, I was like, okay, let's get more fans in here. Let's keep pushing the envelope because it just it, it makes it more fun. It makes it more fun to broadcast, but I know – in talking to our players, it makes it more fun for the players. I mean, last year, Josh Hader's fastball was down. It didn't have the velocity that it had the year before or that it has again this year. I don't think that's a coincidence, Jeff. I think the fans give you that extra mile per hour or two. They give you that extra adrenaline when you're a player. I don't know how it couldn't. And so, you know, when you're on the mound or when you're in the batter's box and there's a little bit of nerves running through you that's not always a bad thing and and i think that that adrenaline is provided from the fans the fan experience is what makes sports so great and and so the fact that we're getting it back is is so wonderful lane i want to talk about one of the challenges to your job in particular over the course of the last year plus and that is you you have not been traveling with the team, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's right. a completely different experience. I mean, normally you're in the visiting stadium and and you're there. That that hasn't been how it's been working. What what challenges have that provide has that made for you personally? So I think I, I hear from a lot of people that say, "Oh, I can't I can't really tell the difference." 
And I, I and I always tell them, well, if you listen to an inning or two here or there, you probably can't, because if it's an inning where there's, um, you know, a, a ground ball to the shortstop and two strikeouts, that's a pretty easy inning to call off monitor. There's not a lot of challenges to that. There's not a lot of complexity to it. The level of difficulty is not overly high. But when you're sitting in the seat like we have been for all of last season on the road and, and so far all of this season on the road, when a ball's hit in the air that is not necessarily a no-doubter, you're not sure, is it going to get out, is it going to stay in, and you have to wait that half second to see where the outfielders are, that can be a challenge. But the biggest challenge has been, for at least for me, guys on base. If you have multiple guys on base and a ball's hit down the corner, uh, you know, down the line into the corner or into the gaps, we typically don't see the guys running on the base pass. So you're having to make assumptions now that um, Keston Hero went right. from first to third on that play or Christian Yelich scored from first base on that play because you just don't always know. And we've had multiple you know, moments that have happened where you, you can get confused. You're also relying on things like the score bug. And so if they put the wrong count up on the score bug or the wrong score up on the score bug, if you're not really on top of it, that can trick you and you start to second-guess yourself a little bit. All those things have been challenges. Home run balls hit down the line. It's really hard to see in real time if it stayed fair or foul. And you cannot see the umpire typically on the monitor. And so you're having to wait then before you can make the call. Those are the things that have been the biggest challenges. I'm not going to miss those things at all <laughs> when we get back on the road. It'll be, it'll be good riddance to all those types of challenges. You know, it's interesting because one of your, your predecessors, we, we were talking about this, and, and I, 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 he always told me that if you're trying to determine how, how a ball is hit, you, you, you really you look at the outfielders because they know. Absolutely. And so sometimes the crowd yeah. will roar, but, you know, you sit there and the left fielder, he's just got a bead on it. He, or, or, you know, or you know it's going to be out if he just kind of like stops and turns around. But you, you kind of watch the outfielders because that, that tells you whether, oh, it's going to be a clear home run. Is it going to be a fly ball to the warning track? And it's all those things that I, I can see you, you probably can't do when you're watching it on the cameras as opposed to being there in person. No, it's a great point, and that's, I think that's kind of a, a rule that most of us broadcasters have is we, our eyes go immediately to the outfielder. I mean, you, you listen for the sound of the bat, and then you, you might watch the initial flight, but then you go immediately to the outfielders typically, and then they're going to tell you where the ball's hit and, and how hard it's hit. And, and every once in a while there's guys, Lorenzo will do this to you once in a while, where he will slow play it, and you, you're thinking, oh, that ball's out. And then he's on the warning track making the catch, and he kind of sells it like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get to this one, and then he, he gets there easily. Every once in a while, that'll happen. But um, for the most part, that's going to tell you, you know, where the ball's going to end up or if it's going to be close or if it's you know, a lot of times if a guy just absolutely turns on a ball down the left field line or down the right field line, the right fielder or left fielder, they won't even move because they know off the bat, I, I got no shot. So that, that is, and, and you can't do that to the same degree off of monitor as you can when you're watching the game in person. It's the little things like that that make it pretty challenging. But I do think we've done the best we can do with it. I, I think we've, we've learned a lot throughout this whole thing. There's been some things that we've learned through this that probably will make us better as broadcasters moving forward. But, um, again, all of that being said, I can't wait to get back in person on the road. Well, I have to tell you, Lane, um, I 
I, I think I th- I'm not just saying this. I, I think you do an absolutely great job. I have enjoyed listening to your calls on the radio. I think you're a great part of the Brewers broadcast team. I'm glad that you've been with us for the last, what, five years now. I wish you all the best, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more for you. Hopefully, you know, we're going to have a run deep into the playoffs this year. I think there's a great chance of that, Jeff. This is a team built for the postseason with the pitching that they run out there. So let's hope for that. And, and I appreciate the kind words. I, we love uh, this organization. We love this community. It's been an unbelievably great fit for my family and I. And, and we're, we're, we're in Milwaukee for the, for the extended future because we love it here. That's great. Len Grin, uh, Lane Grindle, Brewers broadcaster, thank you so very much. We'll be listening for you later on today and for the balance of the season. Let's take a quick break. This is our reopening day 2021 broadcast from American Family Field. I'm Jeff Wagner. Once again, this is our reopening day broadcast special. I am broadcasting live from American Family Field. Actually, no rain right now, but looks like the sun is actually even trying to come out. number of people are, are coming in, and I think they're going up to the box office. That's my sense, because there are tickets that are still available. It's going to be a big crowd today, no question about it. But if you haven't gotten tickets and you're looking for, hey, something to do this afternoon, and it sounds like it's going to be fun, and by the way, it is going to be fun, well, you can come on out here. You can pick up tickets. I think they're still available on the Internet as well, and uh, just enjoy things. The plan right now is the parking lots are going open two hours before uh, first pitch. First pitch is 310. Sometimes they open them up a little bit beforehand, but I think it's going to be a, just a great time. They've got all sorts of reopening day specials, and as I was saying earlier, the cool thing about this is you, you know you're going to be seeing a competitive team. The Brewers are in first place. Let's say that again. The Brewers are in first place. Tied for first place, but that's first place. And um, it looks like it's going to be just a tremendous, they've got 80-some games left. Looks like it's going to be a tremendous run to the finish line. And as Lane Grindle, Brewers broadcaster, was just saying, he thinks this is a team that really is built for the playoffs. And you look at some of the great pitching that they have, and we're going to be talking to a couple of those great pitchers a little bit later on this morning, including Brent Suter, who's coming up in about a half hour or so, and then Brandon Woodruff, who's coming up at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, at least is scheduled to do that. And, and that's that's what you really count on um, is is pitching. Well, all right, we we haven't we haven't taken calls yet this morning, but we're going to have an opportunity to do that in just a couple minutes. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I want to discuss with you. This um, it is it's reopening day, but for those of us who I don't know grew up around here. We, we have distinctive memories of opening day. I mean, I, I, can, I was living here when the Seattle Pilots, you know, came from Seattle and they became the Milwaukee Brewers back in 1970. A lot of opening days between 1970 and now. I haven't been at all of them, but I've been at a lot of them. And I think there, there's things about opening days that create certain memories. Maybe it's the ball game itself. Maybe you remember, oh, this was that great event that happened. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's, hey, I remember this was the opening day where I, I met I met my wife. 
And if you didn't meet him at County Stadium, you didn't meet your wife at um, at American Family Field or Miller Park or whatever it was, maybe it was, you know, on, on the bus from the bar coming over here or something. Maybe it was that opening day that you just thought, man, I can't believe that they're going to play the game and it's raining and it's snowing and it's all those things. There's something about, I think, baseball in general and opening days in particular that, that unite us and we all have these different memories and we can all relate to them. So I want to open up the phone lines. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to use the next segment or two of the program as an opportunity for people to share opening day memories. And again, maybe it, it can just maybe it can be the game, maybe it can be the people that you were with, maybe it could be the people you met in the parking lot. But I mean, this this is opening day in June, which makes it different because normally opening days are opening days in March or opening days in April. But still, it it's it's opening day for all intents and purposes. We're coming out of the pandemic. People are going to be back in large numbers. We're going to have a lot of fun. So let's let's take a walk down memory lane. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Memories of opening day. We'll be back to discuss this in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Broadcasting live from American Family Field, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The sun is, by the way, it is trying to come out here. Um, that is a very, very good sign. Uh, we've had some some steady traffic. People coming in, I think, buying tickets. There still are some tickets available. So if you're looking for something to do this afternoon, um, come on out. There's room at the ballpark. 855-616-1620. Memories of opening day. Let's start with Sue in Portage. Hi, Sue. Good morning, but unfortunately, I have never been at a Brewers opening day, but I was at the very first premier game of the Braves when they first came to Milwaukee, and I think it was in 1953. Okay, right around there. You're dating yourself, though, Sue. I certainly am, because I was in high (laughs) school at the time, and it was an event. I mean, we dressed up for this. This is no jeans day. This was really a big event. Right. And the team came to town so close to opening day that those who had season tickets hadn't gotten their tickets yet. So the tickets we had for opening day were not the season tickets my dad eventually got. So the tickets we had for opening day were behind home plate. Mm-hmm. underneath the safety net toward the uh, first base side. The game was tied, I believe it was the 10th inning, and Billy Bruton was up, and he hit, I think, three foul balls. The third one came up on the net and fell in my mother's lap. <laughs> How I cool is that? She went, yeah, I think she went to her grave with scars on her arms from fighting to retain <laughs> that thing. And from that day on, Billy Bruton was her favorite player, especially since the next pitch he hit a home run, and the game was won by one run. Okay, so my, here's my question about that story. What happened to that ball? I assume she did, did it get handed down throughout the through family history? Well, it was kept until my mother left the house in Wauwatosa. Okay. And I don't know where it went. Now, maybe one of my nephews has it, but yeah. I don't know where it is, and it was never signed. 
Good enough. Well, thanks for the call, Sue. I appreciate. But no, that's the that's the thing that 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 is. A- thanks for the call, Sue. That that is absolutely the. See, that's one that's one of the great things about baseball. You never know what's going to happen, and it's all right. And I, that's the type of thing that. Okay, she's talking about an event that happened in the fifties that you remember vividly. Um, here, Jeff, uh, we, a number of texts here. Let me share a couple. Um, I went to the game. The I went to the opening day. The Brewers thought it was a bright idea to give out baseballs. There was a bad call, and hundreds of baseballs got thrown on the field as they had. And they almost had to forfeit. I remember that. I was on the the radio. It was on radio on another st- radio show on another station at the time. It was opening day. It was that afternoon, and I remember thinking. All right, you're going to have a large crowd. This was when they still played at County Stadium. You're going to have a large crowd. There's going to be people consuming copious amounts of alcoholic beverages. Huh, let's give them all baseballs as they go into the game, and, and let's let's wonder what could happen. Well, it, it, it happened. You had a lot of people were, like, throwing these baseballs, and, and they did have to stop the game. I remember the Brewers manager, whose name is escaping me at the time, you know, he, he was going out and trying to get the fans to stop this. And I think pretty much after that, the, 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 and, and this was not unique to Milwaukee. Stuff like this happened all over. But pretty much after that, the idea of just show up before the game and when you come in, we're going to give you a, a baseball as a souvenir. That kind of went by the, the wayside. Now it's like, okay, you get a voucher and you can redeem it for this, that, or the other thing. But no, we're not going to let you take hard baseball spheroids and go into the games. And that, that kind of made some, uh, sense to me. Jeff, my recollection is, let's see, opening day, 1997, against the Texas Rangers. That was the infamous baseball giveaway. It rained baseballs, nearly causing a forfeit. Lots of people remember that. Jeff, for me, it was opening day 1988. About 30 of us skipped out as seniors at Greendale High School, sat in the bleachers. I won't say we had drinks because we were all underage, but I don't remember the game. The tailgate party was awesome. Boy, I still miss the 80s. Jeff, my wife and I were at the last game at County Stadium and the first opening day at Miller Park. The ceremony of that first opening day in Miller Park is our favorite memory. That's from uh, Joel and Frank, Joe and Franksville. Um, I, you know, it, it's interesting you mentioned that. I, I remember our broadcast. I was working for TMJ at the time. Miller Park, the day it opened up, and of course it had been delayed a year because of everything, but I can remember coming into Miller Park oh, several hours early, and there weren't too many people there, and I remember I went up as far as you could go into the right field bleachers. I was that last row, and I was just sitting there to get the view, and I thought, you know, this... This isn't, as long as you're not afraid of heights, this isn't a bad way to watch a game from. 855-616-1620. Darren in Sussex. Darren, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good morning. I'm sorry. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. All right. I'm at the ballpark. Okay. What's your favorite opening day remembrance? (laughs) So um, the backstory to getting to opening day at County Stadium was, uh, my now wife and I had been in long-term relationships that kind of abruptly ended, and this was spring of 2000. We end up just meeting by occurrence at a bar on Water Street. We have a nice conversation. Uh, at that time, we were much younger, so we went to Ma Fisher's for breakfast after, after bar time and kind of got split up between two groups of our friends. And at the end of the night, I kind of thought, well, she was really nice, and I was, I was into her, but I don't think she liked me because she didn't sit with me at, at breakfast and, and all that kind of thing. So uh, when I was finished eating, I said, Jenny, very nice to meet you. Um, had a nice time. You know, see you later. And I didn't get her number or 
uh, email or anything. Two weeks later, I'm at opening day. This is at County Stadium in 2000. And I see her in the back area where you where the vendors are, underneath the bleachers. And I said to my friends, oh, there's that girl that we met, uh, but she's not into me, so I'm not going to talk to her. We go back and sit in our seats, and not even a couple outs later, I hear this lady sitting maybe 10 rows behind me shouting, Brandon, Brandon. And I turn around, and it's this lady, so the lady that's not into me. So I'm ignoring her. Because that's not your up. name, she right? That, that's that's not your name either, right? She's yelling Brandon, but your name is Darren, right? <laughs> my name's Brandon. Or yeah, she's yelling Brandon. My name's Darren. So I'm, but I'm still, I'm holding tops. I'm ignoring her. She doesn't give up. She and her friend trounce down the bleachers. Remember, this is County Stadium. Trounce down the bleachers in between the fans, and she starts tapping me on the shoulder. So now I got no choice. I have, I have to talk to her. I turned around and said. Hi, Jenny. My name's Darren, and I remembered her friend's name, and I remembered where they worked, and I remembered everything about it. Um, and we ended up having actually a nice uh, introduction and a laugh about it. And then, long story short, that Saturday we went on our first date together, and now we've been married 20 years. <laughs> it, 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 it's karma. You know, it, it, it just had to be karma that, you know, all that started because she was calling you the wrong name at, at uh, County Stadium in the bleachers. Yeah, if nothing else, it's given us a good story to tell. On the radio. Thanks a lot for the call, Darren. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's see, that's the type of thing. And it's just kind of that like random, random stuff. You you know, and when we talk about this, when we're talking about things at Summerfest and things alike, it's people who go and they meet their, you know, they, they meet their significant other, they meet their spouse, and, you know, people bump into each other at the picnic tables and things like that. 855-616-1620. Jeff, um, I remember opening day in the Old County Stadium when they were just starting with Miller Park. I had some great tickets right behind home plate, took my dad. It was very cold, but we were right in the sun. It's a great memory with my dad that's one of the great things about baseball as you know well jeff i went to every opening day until last year obviously since 2003 i'd love to give you some of my favorite memories but i really don't remember much due to copious amounts of beer i do remember the fun i had and we had some awesome steaks every one of those dates um i wish i could make it a day to remember or forget today that there there is that element these stories are all kind of like bringing back things to me a, a number of years ago for, and you might remember it, for, oh gosh, six or seven years, I, I used to, after the radio show, I'd go, and I was on our, our sister TV station, today's TMJ4, and we were doing an opening day broadcast, and so I did the radio show, and then the, the TV show would come on at three, and they said, well, we've got this idea, um, let's go on over to like the Sausage House or something, and find people to interview on, on live TV. Well, the the, the Oh, the gates had been open since like 10 o'clock in the morning. The first pitch was like at 2.30 or 3. So you'd had people that had been out in the parking lot for, for five hours or so. The game had already started. So the only people that hadn't gone into the game were either people who hadn't had enough time to party in those five hours or had just come to party and didn't have tickets. Well, okay, these are the people that the thing put on live TV. So I'm out there and I've got the microphone and I'm looking around at all this stuff going on and I've got the TV producer saying, oh, like find somebody, you know, put them on TV. And I'm wondering, Okay, which of these different people am I looking that I'm looking at? Do you think it would be a good idea to put on live television without a delay? Is it the woman who's 
guzzling, shotgunning the can of beer and then trying to hit a softball with a baseball bat? You think that that would be a good idea? Is it the three women who just expose themselves to me? Huh. It, 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 maybe those we should put on. I said, no, trust me on this one. Not necessarily the best idea. Back with more of your calls and texts in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from American Family Field. It's Brewers Reopening Day 2021. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're talking about memories of opening day. Here's a text. Jeff, for me, it's Sixto Lescano's Grand Slam to win it ninth. I can't remember the year. County Stadium was Bedlam. Well, um, I remember the year because I, I was I was here and I, you know, everybody claims to have been at the Ice Bowl. Well, I wasn't at the Ice Bowl, although I was at Summerfest the night George Carlin got arrested for the seven words you can't say on TV or in Milwaukee. I was there that night, and I was there that day uh, for opening day. For people who don't remember this, this was um, this was 1980. I was a, a freshman at Marquette University Law School. And I'm a freshman at law school, and, and here's here's the way the, the school ran at the time, that they they. This, it was a holiday. They took the day off for opening day. And so, like, busloads of law students and stuff would, would go out. You could get tickets and stuff. And I can remember sitting in the stands at County Stadium, um, and, and it, it was cold. The Bucks had been in the playoffs. This is when the Bucks were in the Western Division, and they, they'd gone deep into overtime the night before. I don't exactly remember who they were playing or how that game turned out. But so, you know, a lot of people are, are awake at night watching the Bucks play, and then you come to County Stadium. The, the game, they were playing the Boston Red Sox, and it was one of those um, Brewers tied 5-5, five to five, bottom of the ninth inning, and what they did is they intentionally walked Gorman Thomas to load the bases, and then Sixto Lascano comes up, and of course, if you were a Brewers fan in the, the 80s, you, you remember him, and he hits a grand slam home run. It's just, I think if you if you talk about some of the spectacular moments and memories in, in Brewers history, that would be one of them. But yeah, that was opening day, and just the, the crowd does go wild. I mean, I think, you know, if I think about memories of, of being at baseball stadiums, how crazy the crowd was after that victory, it, it rivals... Gosh, it, it rivals a few years back when the Brewers, you know, win their playoff series against Arizona when Niger Morgan scores the run and, and everybody's just going crazy. It was just, it was a great time. And it's one of those fun sort of memories you make. And, and that that's the, the on-the-field memory. I just, I've told the story before, so bear with me if you heard me. I just, as I said, when I was in law school, that, that was a big day. They used to close Marquette Law School. And so you'd come out and make an event of this. So it's a year or two after I've graduated from, from law school. And um, the woman who became my, my, my late wife, um, she and I, she wasn't necessarily a huge baseball fan, but she was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with you. So a couple of us who went to law school together, we come out to opening day. And again, it's County Stadium. This is like 1984 or thereabouts, 83, 84, somewhere in there. It's one of these cold April days. So, I mean, I really mean cold. I mean, it's... It's in the 30s, and it's like Sue didn't necessarily love baseball to begin with, and so she wasn't having fun. And you know, a lot of times when she didn't have fun, she wasn't subtle about telling me she wasn't having fun. But but she's putting up with with this because you know she knew I wanted to be there. And it was about in the middle of the fourth or fifth inning when it started to snow, and I mean, 
it didn't just flakes of snow. It started to snow hard. And at that point in time, I, I get this look that I immediately recognize. It says, well, I haven't really been having much fun anywhere, but this is it. So, okay, rather than sit in the, in the snow, we get up to leave. And as we're walking out, there are a group of young men who had been obviously overserved or had overserved themselves who decided that they didn't want to wait in line to use the bathroom. So they're just... I don't know. They're they're just going up against the wall <laughs> inside County Stadium, and and I remember I remember uh, Sue just looking at me saying, "Okay, are we having any fun yet?" And I said, "Well, what can you do?" I'm not sure I got her back to opening day after that, but I I've been back to most of the opening days. Bottom line is, it's see, this is one of the cool things about sporting events, and it's one of the cool things about what we've got going on today. You never know exactly what's going to happen. You never know what the great play is going to be. And keep in mind, this is really the second home opener this year, as I started the program off talking about remember the brewers first home opener back in late march you know travis shaw who's now on the disabled list travis shaw two run double in the bottom of the ninth inning to tie the game and they beat minnesota in extra inning six to five what a cool outcome and hopefully we're going to see more of that okay I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back after the news, we're scheduled to be joined by Brewers pitcher Brent Suter. And um, I want to talk to him about some things, including how do you go from Harvard to pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers? We're going to discuss that and a lot, a lot of great guests. Our opening day, reopening day broadcast from American Family Field rolls on. Back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the WTMJ Mobile Studio at American Family Field, it's the Jeff Wagner Show on Brewers Reopening Day. Sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Holiday Automotive, and Gruber Law Offices. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We are at American Family Field. It is Brewers Reopening Day, and and this is very, very cool. Um, in, In professional sports, if you are talented enough to get drafted, in many cases, it's unusual to stay with the same team throughout your entire career. Well, Brent Suter was part of the 2012 Brewers draft class, and he's one of only two members of that draft class to still be playing for the Brewers, and he joins us right now. Brent Suter, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Okay, tell, tell me this. You, 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 are, you went to Harvard, and, and like eight out of 46 U.S. presidents came from Harvard, but out of like 20-plus thousand Major League Baseball players, only 19 came from Harvard. How, how, how did that all happen? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, I still look back on it, uh, just like the path to get here and just you know, scratch my head. It's been crazy. Uh, just even getting uh, to Harvard was a crazy journey of just like last-minute things just working out and kind of the same way we get drafted. Uh, I was getting some looks after junior year or after my sophomore year, but then I had a really, really bad junior year. So I ended up going back to my senior year, had an okay year, but um, just went to some pre-draft workouts, threw well there, and just things just worked out, you know, aligned just in time to get me drafted by the the Brewers. And I couldn't have been drafted by a better organization for a late-round guy. They gave me a fair shot every level, um, every spring. So I was able to just kind of work my way up, um, you know, catch some breaks here and there, and then, 
before you knew it, I was getting called up to the big leagues. It was crazy, <laughs> crazy. Well, you know, on, on that point, okay, so so you, you get drafted in, in 2012, and then you're coming through the Brewers minor league system, and in 2016 is when you get your first call up to the big leagues. What what was that like? It was unbelievable. Um, I was, you know, I slept through some of the calls. I accidentally put my phone under my laptop, and so I missed some calls for sure, uh, but when I got the uh, the call in the morning, I remember turning to my wife and she was just bawling, crying. Uh, and I, you know, I started tearing up too. And we packed our things up in a matter of you know two hours to take the flight to Seattle to pitch against the Mariners the next day. But uh, yeah, just so many emotions, uh, you know, in, in, like anxiousness, uh, anxiety, but also just so much happiness and like you know that this feeling of like this is my dream being fulfilled for sure. So. Uh, and being able to watch um, Miguel Sanchez and Jay Cousins' last couple of days just kind of helps relive those memories of that debut and how well they did. So, you know, pumped everybody up so much. So uh, that was really, it's been really cool to see guys after me coming up and doing well in their debuts. Right. Well, you know, interestingly, um, your former teammate Zach Davies was part of a no hitter yesterday. How cool was that? Yeah, yeah, I was watching that. Uh, it was incredible. He was uh, just missing barrels left and right, um, and the, his, you know, the bullpen of the Cubs is no joke, and they they came in and shut the door. So, uh, yeah, I was I was watching it, and I'm happy for Zach. That's awesome, and uh, yeah, that's their uh, you know second no hitter in two years. So, uh, yeah. you know, good, good for their pitching staff. Right, and hopefully they'll get that out of the system before their system before they have to <laughs> before you guys have to play them next week. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're we're talking to Brent Suter. Brent, let me. Th- this is of course this is real. It's been a weird year. Last year or two. I mean, last year an abbreviated season, no fans in the stands. This mm-hmm. year, fans in the stands, but nothing close to to full time. We're calling this reopening day. You're going to have thirty five or forty thousand people at American Family Field. What what is that like as a player to to go out on the field and just see the reopening day or the opening day, a stadium packed with folks? Yeah, um, it's going to be awesome. I uh, I got to I got to be honest. The the crowd so far this year felt like. At times, it was a full crowd. You know, the, the crowd's been so into it uh, and lively and loud that there were many, many times where I was like, wow, this, is, this seems might as well be a full house just because the energy they're putting into the game. But to, to actually have that, you know, 35, 40,000 uh, members of Brewer Nation just cheering us on, it's going to be so cool. So uh, can't wait. It's a dream come true every day to be able to pitch in front of that many people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it hasn't happened. You know, full house here hasn't happened, like you said, in a couple of years. So it feels like it's been a while, but uh, I think it'll be just like old times again once we get out there and feel that energy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the sense, and, and look, I, I'm, I just, I watch the team as a fan and, and things like that. The sense I get is there, this is a close-knit team and you guys really, really like each other. I, I, am I right with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have a great, great clubhouse uh, camaraderie and the guys that we've added uh, this year and the last couple of years have just added to that and intensified that for sure. Council does such a good job of, you know, fostering that sense of playing for each other and not just with each other uh, and picking each other up and, you know, being great teammates and coming to win every day. So, yeah, that's uh, that's our motto. And um, that's, that's one thing that I think helps put us over the, you know, kind of outperform our uh, abilities some days and, you know, squeak out those wins is because we just play so hard for each other. 
How do you, as a Major League Baseball, it's a long season, 162 games this year, and, and every team goes through ups and downs. You, you win seven or eight games, and you think you're never going to lose again, and then you go on a five-game losing streak or whatever, you think you're never going to win again. How, how as, a, as a player, how do you deal with those ups and, and downs? Um, is, it, is it just like trying to maintain an even keel? How do you keep yourself centered? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the big thing is just being as present as you can every day, uh, whether it's out on the mound or just you know coming to work every day with a fresh, you know, fresh renewed sense of hey, this is a new day. Uh, what happened yesterday? Can't do anything about that. What might happen tomorrow. Can't do anything about that. But let's just play to win today. Let's play uh, our hearts out today and uh, go from there. And the, the chips fall as they may. But yeah, I mean the roller coasters of the season. You've seen, you know, our season so far has had some streaks for sure, winning and losing. So, um, yeah, it can be a little bit difficult. You know, the wins or the, when the losses pile up, you're just like, oh, what can we do? What can we do? You know, some part of your mind kind of starts feeling those thoughts, but you just gotta, you know, push those aside and be be present and uh, come to win that day. Hey, let me ask you one of the burning baseball questions of the day: Are you a pro designated hitter guy or not? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I know we have some guys on our team that definitely like hitting. Um, I personally, I think, uh, with the, just the injuries and stuff, I'm, I'm more pro uh, designated hitter. Yeah, well, that, I mean that, that's what I saw. I saw one of your teammates, of course, who, who got injured running the bases just just yep. the, the other day on sort of a freak sort of injury. And I, I I've always been a pro designated. I, I've always been like a, a traditionalist. But when you see some of these these really great players getting injured, you do kind of wonder maybe it would be better just to let the pitchers pitch and let the hitters hit. Yeah, they're um, definitely uh, position players are you know paid to hit and run base as well and play defense well. So. It, it's not necessarily something pitchers can devote all their, you know, a whole lot of time to. So sometimes you run into guys kind of trying to do too much out on the, you know, with the swing or the base pass, and it ends up biting them. And I've seen some really, really bad ones in my career, and I just not a fan of guys getting hurt at all. So um, just for yeah. health, overall health, I'd say I'm pro designated there. Yeah. Um, okay. You you can take the Fifth Amendment on this one if you want, but I'm just kind of curious. Is is there one player that you you just hate to pitch against? That just maybe it's a guy that just just wears you out. And if you want to take the Fifth, I I understand. But is there somebody to say, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> past or present? <laughs> there are a couple uh, for sure. Um, I would say one that stands out is Arnado. Uh, for me, has been uh, he's fun to compete against. You know, he goes up to the box every time, and you know, he competes as competes his heart out but uh he's he's done really well against me so far so um trying to <laughs> be in the division hopefully I have some shots to get back in a little bit <laughs> right do, do you like I, I mean you you know you're, you're a spot starter they, they use you a lot out of out of the bullpen is is it hey whatever you need is is that your kind of your attitude or w- would you prefer to be a full-time starting pitcher um absolutely the attitude is whatever you need I'll give you what I got uh starting or relieving for sure um i mean it's it's close i i love the camaraderie that you get out of the pen uh being able to you know come in and pick guys up and whatnot uh but the you know the starting you got that routine you get um you're able to kind of get the bullpens in so you can sharpen up pitches uh and not think about saving some bullets for the game that day so there are some advantages to starting i'd say i'm like about 50 50 though i like both a lot 
What's it like to play on a team with 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 established I mean, true superstars, guys like like Christian Yelich or, or Colton Wong or Lorenzo Cain? It, it's it's got to be a great environment to come to work every day and, and be surrounded by just really really great players, former you know future Hall of Famers like that. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, seeing these guys that either I've you know come up playing with or that I've uh, we've acquired and just seeing how uh, good they are and how much better they get every day. They ne- never stop getting better, making adjustments. Uh, it's, it's like an artist, you know, it's like an artist and a musician just watching them sharp- sharpening their craft. It's incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an honor to be able to, you know, put on the jersey and put on the cleats with these guys, uh, like the Yelchers, the Haters, the Canes, like you said. So it's really cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I never take it for granted. I try not to take it for granted how special it is. Brent Suter, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. I want to wish you yeah. all the best for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm going to be one of those guys in the stands pulling for you. So hope right. you have a great win today and hope you have a great season. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having okay. me. Appreciate it. Sure. Take care. That that is Milwaukee Brewers player Brent Suter, and it's it's actually it is a fascinating story. I mean, he you know Harvard graduate. Um, he was drafted. He he was drafted in like the thirty first round. And to, just to give you perspective of this, the only two players that were drafted by the Brewers in twenty twelve that are still with the team are him and Tyrone Taylor. I mean, it's just it's a it's a story that just doesn't happen. And and, and how many thirty first round draft picks are, are still around? You know, nine or ten years later, and he's just. He He's just an absolutely great guy, and I appreciate him spending some time with us. Interesting backstory as well. Let's take a break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from American Family Field as part of Brewers Reopening Day. Thanks to uh, Brent Suter for coming on. And what, again, what what an interesting story. And one of the reasons one of the reasons I asked about camaraderie is. I've I've had an opportunity to be around some of the brewers just in my role here at WTMJ over the last couple of years, and and I really get the sense that this is a team that likes each other, and I, I think brewers management has done a very, very good job of putting together a team that likes each other and, and wants to be there. I, I mean, and, and look, I, I'm sure there there's a lot of ego involved in, in any business, whether it's radio or professional baseball or whatever. But but in general, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of, of prima donnas. At least that that's – and you get the idea that these are really, really nice people, and, and like, like a Brent Suter, who are just – who are just having the time of their life getting paid money to do something that they would do for free. And that's one of the wonderful things that's out there. And you, you do wish the guy all the best of luck. Um, we, we've got a couple more interviews with Brewers players coming up as our uh, reopening day coverage rolls on. Scheduled to be joined um, right after the top of the hour news at 11.07 by Brandon Woodruff. And um, one of the new Brewers who's making a huge um, impression, 11.35, we're scheduled to be joined by Colton Wong. So that that's all coming up a lot of other features as well we are going to be doing virtual baseball which we do every friday um just because steve's not here doesn't mean that we're not going to do it we're um so it'll be the same rules we'll solicit the callers callers in just a couple minutes but that's coming up as well lots of stuff going on and again Right now, the parking lots are still closed. But what we're seeing is a number of people have been coming up a steady stream all morning, people going past our um, 
past the roadshow, past our mobile broadcast facility, and going up to the ticket office. So I do want to emphasize, if if you're looking for something to do and you've been listening to this and you think, man, you know, that would be a lot of fun to come out on opening day. Well, you have an opportunity to do it. There are tickets that are still available. You can stop by the box office because I see lots of people, including bringing some of their kids and all. It, it's Look, it's tremendous. And I understand that this is opening day in June, but it's still going to be a really cool to be in American Family Field with 35 or 40,000 people. So don't hesitate to stop by and check it out. Let's take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A little bit of a special show today. It is Brewers Reopening Day. And again, this is a big day on WTMJ because we're going to be doing our reopening day coverage until about 2.30. That's when we kick it over to Bob Euchre, Mr. Baseball, and the gang. They'll bring you coverage of the Brewers-Rockies game. And then, of course, the focus switches down to Pfizer Forum, the Deer District. I was saying this earlier. I am positive that there will be people who are out here for opening day, and then they're not going home. They're heading down to the Deer District to either attend the game or to hang out um, in the Deer District and watch the game on the big screen TVs and stuff. It's a very, very big day in Wisconsin and Milwaukee for sports, and uh, we're here to bring you all that coverage. All right, speaking of sports, sort of, every week at this time we do virtual baseball, your chance to, uh, again, um, compete, win some prizes, stuff like that. We need two, two contestants, and so uh, give us a call. At give eight five five six one six one six twenty eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you want to participate in virtual baseball, need a couple contestants eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of um, other things going on as well in the world. Well, uh, the roadways are a bit of a mess. We're going to continue to keep bringing you updates on on all that that's going on, and we'll also have special traffic up. Like I say, the parking lots right now around here are scheduled to open at 1 o'clock. Sometimes if traffic starts to get backed up, they will open the parking lots a little bit earlier. So we'll be in a position to keep you apprised about that. But if you're going out and around the area today, keep it tuned to WTMJ. We'll keep you updated on all the different things that are going on, including the traffic to help you get where you're going. All right. When we come back... Um, it's Virtual Baseball with Eric Bilstadt. I'm broadcasting live from American Family Field. It's Brewers Reopening Day. The taste of a dog and a beer. Mm. The smell of fresh-cut grass. <sighs> the sound Christian Yelich's bat makes when he drives one into the second deck in the right field bleachers. It's time for Virtual Baseball on Brewers Reopening Day. Presented by Siding Unlimited. Siding and a whole lot more. Put them to work for you now. SiddingUnlimited.com. Well, this is Jeff Wagner. As we mentioned, it is time for virtual baseball. I am broadcasting live from American Family Field, so we have a lot of different moving parts. So I'm going to turn virtual baseball over to my friend and colleague, Eric Bilstadt. He'll take it from here. Hello, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Happy reopening day. Okay, we have two people on the phone. We have Marianne from Wild Rose and Steve from Genesee. Marianne, can you see the lake? What's the lake there? Is that Kessel Lake? Kusel. Kusel Lake. Okay, close enough. Close enough. Can you see it? Are, are there people on the water today? Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm ah. going through Amro. Okay, all right. So, Marianne, you are the home team. Steve from Genesee, you are the away team. Let's get going. Let's yeah. talk this through. Let's figure out how we play virtual baseball. All right, so here are the rules. 
Each player gets a separate set of ten highlights. Each set includes an equal number of hits and outs. They're randomly numbered one through ten. You each get five selections, so five swings. We only record the hit in the highlight, not the number of runs scored in the highlight. After your five swings, the number of runs you tally up is your final score. If there's a tie, the home team tries to walk it off. Of course, what's on the line at WTMJ Prize Pack, plus you get a chance. You become an entrant to a drawing for a $500 Visa gift card, courtesy of Siding Unlimited. So who you want to win, it's a big deal here on reopening day. Steve, let's get going. Steve from Genesee. Give me a number one through ten. I will start out with number one. All right, Daniel Vogelback. And the two-one delivery, a swing and a drive to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Go on for Vogelback. All right, good start. That's a good start. So you got one run on the board. Usually you want to hold those home runs for later on, but what's next? Uh, number nine. Number nine is Keston. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Willie Adamas. 2-0 pitch, ground ball to short. Ahmed comes up with it, the throw to first in time to get Adamas. And the Brewers will strand a couple. All right. Swing number three. Uh, six. Number six is Luis Urias. And the pitch. Swing. Drive in the left center of base hit. Oh! So you got a man on third, one run in, two swings left. Where are we going next? Number seven. Lorenzo Kane. One-two pitch. Line down the right field line. This one slicing towards the corner. It's a fair ball, and Kane's going to have extra bases. He's at second, not stopping. He's on his way to third. He's going to be in there standing up. Here you go. Another triple. triple, Lorenzo Kane. All right, Steve, so you have one swing left. You have two runs in, man on third base. Low Kane sitting on the three bag. Where are you going next? Number eight. Number eight today is Keston Hira. 3-1 to Hira, and Keston drives this one into center field. That's going to get down and three-hop the glove of Profar. Here with a big turn at first, puts the brakes on. He'll be content with a single. Hey, all right, so we got the hero single, so not bad. So three runs in. You are done, Steve. Not bad. That's formidable now. Three yep. runs on the board. Here comes Marianne from Wild Rose. Okay, Marianne, where would you like to start? Any number one through ten. I'm going to start with number eight. Number eight is Luis Urias again. And the pitch. Swing, drive in the left center of base hit. All the way to the running track and the wall. Around third is Lopes. On the third is Urias in there with a three. Wow, I think I've heard that one before. All right, so you got a man on third. Good start. Where are you going next? Uh, number three. Number three is Jace Peterson. 3-2 pitch. Swing line drive, center field, moving over Nick when it's over his head and off the wall on a couple of bounces. That ball kept carrying on. All right, so that's a man on first now. Number six. Number six is Omar Narvaez. 2-1 pitch. Narvaez line drive down the right field line. That's a fair ball. It's going to roll all the way into the corner. 
Bradley will score, and Narvaez motors into second with an RBI double. It is five All right, to nothing so Brewers. Man on second and third. Next swing. Hmm. Number four. Number four is Christian Yelich. Come on, Yelich. One pitch. And Yelich, a line drive back up the middle and into center field for a base hit. Vogelback will go to second, and the Brewers' first two have reached here in the top of the fourth. All right, so you have two runs in, two men on. Here we go. You need to make this one work. You're down by one run. Where are we going? Number 10. Number 10 it is. It is Colton Wong. Wong with a couple of men on base. 1-1. Swing and a line shot into the gap in right center field. Brewers are going to be running for a while. Adamas is in. Urias is going to come in and score. Wong on his way to third. He's there with a two-run triple. Huge insurance runs for the Brewers. Driven in by Colton Two-run triple means... Marianne from Wild Rose is our winner today. Sorry, Steve. All right. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. All right. Congratulations, Marianne. That means you get a WTMJ prize pack. We'll make sure everyone signs that glossy of Steve. (laughs) And, of course, we now put you in the drawing for a $500 Visa gift card courtesy of Siding Unlimited. Hold on the line there, Marianne. Got to get all your information, thank you so and we will. Much. It was really fun. Well, thank you for playing. You played well. Way to pick those numbers and hit a bunch of triples. That was virtual baseball. Jeff Wagner returns here in a minute. It's a check swing ground ball, third base side. Bare hand attempt, throw to first, not in time. That's the second hit of the game, and Haven Smith just playing pepper with that one. Gets an infield single. And he almost Willie Mays hazed it. Who? <laughs> First game of the year for the Cleveland Indians in Major League. A little check swinger past the mound. Gets the base hit. That's kind of what Paven Smith did there. I love these late night games. <laughs> check swing and he went, his face, his yeah, face, he went, ooh. <laughs> then he goes to first and then he gets thrown out. Yep. About a hundred of these. <laughs> Welcome back. It is Brewers reopening day. They're going to have thirty-five to 40,000 people. There are some tickets still available. A number of people have been, we've had a steady stream of folks coming in, going up to the box office. And again, big day for Wisconsin sports, and you can hear it all here on WTMJ. First pitch in the Brewers-Colorado's-Rockies game is at 310. And then, of course, you've got uh, the Bucks game two against the Atlanta Hawks from Fiserv Forum later on uh, this evening. All of this is here on WTMJ, so keep it tuned. Do not go away. This, this reopening day, the Brewers are really doing it right. Um, you're going to have the, the Johnsonville Racing Sausages. And I understand, if you've never seen them, you go, what's the big deal? But trust me, if you're out here, it's a lot of fun. Um, they're, they're back on their normal route. Um, 
during the pandemic to uh, presumably keep them away from people. They've been running along the outside wall. Well, now they're going to do the thing where they start in left field and run in front of the stands and behind home plate and then go out and exit through the right field. It's something to be fun with. Um, we've got a military flyover that is scheduled, weather permitting. Right now it's overcast. It is not raining here, although people are texting me saying in other areas throughout our listening area it's, it's raining cats and dogs. So I, I, I don't know. I think they're still going to try to decide can you keep the roof open it's a beautiful day outside as far as weather and temperature but you got to decide you know what's the weather going to ultimately look at like and weather permitting there'll be a flyover um also dollar hot dogs when when do you get dollar hot dogs and how do i get some of those dollar hot dogs but you know that's going to be out there as well and of course you've got uh, brewers uh, all-time brewers great cecil cooper and paul molitor they're throwing out uh, ceremonial first pitches and cecil cooper's daughter is going to be uh, singing the national anthem so it's Again, it's it's reopening day in June, and that is very, very cool. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to be talking to uh, Brewers starting pitcher and, I mean, arguably the ace of the pitching staff, Brandon Woodruff. And then later on in the 11 o'clock hour, we're scheduled to talk to one of the Brewers' new additions, who is a great addition to the team, Colton Wong. So that's coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. After I leave at 12 o'clock, John McCure and Melissa Barkley are going to be here, and they're going to be in my typical time slot, and they'll take you up to 2.30 when our Brewers game coverage starts. So very, very cool. Um, I did the- there are a lot of other things going on in the world, and some stuff that, that candidly, some people are trying to make controversial that I, I don't understand why it is. Yesterday, the Wisconsin State Fair announced the rules for the fair. Now, for the longest time, there was a conversation about, could, could we even have a state fair in 2021? And the organizers of the fair, and my friend Kathleen O'Leary and others, I think they were committed to doing everything they could to try to make State Fair 2021 happen. Just like Don Smiley and Bob Babish and all the people down at Summerfest were committed to trying to do everything they could to make Summerfest happen. Now, normally, in a typical world, you know, Summerfest 2021 would be going on uh, right about now, I, I believe, or, or very soon. Well, in order to, again, recognize the pandemic and give people time to get set, you know, Summerfest was kicked back to September over over three separate weekends. The State Fair has been committed all along to trying to hold the event in early August, like they've always talked about, and, and they're going to be able to pull it off. But there, there are some concessions that need to be made to the world that we live in. Um, for example, they've adjusted their hours. State Fair used to open at like 8 o'clock or 8.30 in, in the morning. Well, um, for this year, they're going to be opening at 11 o'clock, and they're going to be closing at 11 o'clock at night. So it's going to be open for 12 hours, 11 to 11. Uh, the parking lots are going to open at 10.30. And, and they made this announcement for a couple reasons. First of all, even as we are coming out of the pandemic, there are still extra sanitation rules that are in place. So they, they need the time. Okay, you close down State Fair at 11 o'clock at night. They're trying to build in some more time so all the people that are working at State Fair can do what they need to, I mean, make State Fair as the area as germ-free as possible in the COVID world. And so they need a little bit more time for that. So that's one of the things that's going on. The other reason, and this is a problem that lots of people and businesses are having, it's it's finding people who are willing to work. And one of the things now State Fair is of course it's 
it employs like thousands of people, but over just a relatively short period of time. So they've got a they've got a lot of temporary help that that comes in, and I know that they have the same people a lot of times that come back year after year. But nevertheless, it's always a, a struggle to meet staffing needs, and this year it, it's more of of a struggle for a variety of reasons. So in trying to assess their staffing needs, one of the things State Fair figured out was that look. We we need we want to make sure we have enough people to do all the jobs, and so when people are coming out there, they have the best experience possible. And in order to do that, what I think they determined is if, if we open up at 11, that's going to make it a lot easier to staff all the positions we have to staff than if we do it at 8:30. And I'm sure that just like years ago when Summerfest made the decision to. Um, uh, close on the on the middle Monday, and remember that was controversial. But what they said is, look, what we find is that if we, you know, open a day early, it, it's it's better because people don't come out on that Monday. That's the experience. I think State Fair was going through the same dynamic. There's a lot of people that love to come out at eight o'clock or eight thirty in the morning, whenever it used to open. I, I appreciate that, but take it from me, from somebody who's you know broadcasted from State Fair for the better part of of twenty years. You, you can see as the day goes on, the crowd tends to pick up. Now, coming out early to State Fair is kind of nice because you can wander around. There aren't a lot of people there. There aren't lines and things like that. But at the same time, there's not that many people that do it. So from the perspective of management at State Fair, if you're saying, look, we've got a limited number of people and we really don't have enough people to fully staff everything we want to staff if we open at 8 and we close at 11 or 12, and you're trying to cut back things, it makes eminent sense to say, look, we're, we're, we're going to open up at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I know that there's some early morning fair attendees who will be disappointed. But it, it's look, this is the concession you have to make in the COVID world that we live in as we come out of the pandemic. I don't think that this is necessarily a permanent decision. And my guess is that after we do it this year, the folks at State Fair are going to sit down and they're going to kind of, you know, reassess and they're going to see, okay, what does the employment situation look like? What does the personnel situation look like? You know, how was the later opening received? Are people really disappointed that it doesn't open it up at 8? They're going to make all those considerations and then they're going to decide, I think, what do we do moving forward? But for this year at least, I just think it's great to have State Fair back. There are not going to be you know, ma- mandatory mask rules in place or anything like that. So you're going to be able to enjoy the State Fair experience. And my guess is it's going to be as close to normal as possible. And by the way, one of the questions I get a lot is, hey, that, that cream puff palooza thing, that, that giveaway you do, are you going to be doing it this year? Well, my response to that is, is stay tuned. I think we're going to be having some news sometime soon. Back with more in just a minute. There. <laughs> And this is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from American Family Field. It is Brewers Reopening Day. Coming up in about 10 or 11 minutes, we're supposed to be, we're scheduled to be joined by Brewers starting pitcher Brandon Woodruff. Stick around for that. Hey, there, there was an announcement that, you know, I understand it, it's summer and sometimes people aren't paying attention to some of these things, but actually this is really, really good news for the city of Milwaukee. And the city of Milwaukee can use some, some good news, I think, of Spirit Airlines. Which is the low, one of the, the nation's low cost airlines. It's one of those things that they, they call it customizable air travel. They have sort of a really dirt cheap rate if you just, you know, you get your ticket to fly. And then they start adding on extras. If you want a reserve seat, it's a different, you have to pay a fee. If you want to check bags, you pay a fee. But for people who are looking for, for budget travel, I mean, we want to 
get from one place to another as cheaply as possible. Well, that that's the market, and that's the, the clientele that Spirit Airlines is going after. Well, anyhow, um, you know they, they've. They're coming to Milwaukee, and they're, they're coming in a, in a bigger way than maybe we, we thought. Um, they've announced this fall they're going to start daily service to Fort Lauderdale, Fort Myers, Phoenix, and Tampa, plus three weekly flights to Cancun. So for, you know, for, for several years, we, it was kind of like the golden age of air travel around here because you had, you had a number of, we were really a hub for like three different airlines and you had competition and you had all that stuff. Well, that kind of went away for a while, but it, it's starting to come back. You know, Southwest Airlines has a huge presence here. You have some of the other airlines that have an increasing presence. Now you have Spirit that's coming in and, and it's all really good news for people who want to fly out of Milwaukee. It gives you more choices as far as routes. It gives you more opportunities for direct flights, which are important for a lot of us. And it, it gives you, again, competition is good. It gives you some, you know, maybe some chances to find some of those, those low-price fares that kind of went away for a while as we were coming out of the pandemic. But the bottom line is Spirit Airlines coming to Milwaukee, starting direct flights in the fall to a number of warm weather places. It's all really, really good news. We're all about good news today. All right, lots of stuff coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the WTMJ Mobile Studio at American Family Field, it's the Jeff Wagner Show on Brewers Reopening Day. Sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Holiday Automotive, and Gruber Law Offices. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good morning, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. One of the real highlights of the Brewer season thus far has been the outstanding pitching, outstanding starting pitching, outstanding relief pitcher pitching, and one of those outstanding pitchers, certainly one of the many aces on the Brewers pitching staff is Brandon Woodruff, and Brandon Woodruff joins us live. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? I'm I'm great. It's glad to have you. Hey, before we start talking about the Brewers and stuff, I I was talking to Brent Suter earlier today. Your former teammate uh, Zach Davies uh, involved in, in, in a no hitter yesterday. How cool was that? That's pretty cool. Um, Zach was always somebody that I talked uh, pitching with a lot, just in terms of um, that dude knows how to pitch. So um, no, that was pretty cool to see. That's it. Hey, let me. I, 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 before we again get into the currencies and stuff, I've got a couple questions about background. You, you know, you're you're from Mississippi originally. You were drafted out of high school and then made a decision to go to college for for three years at Mississippi State. I, can you talk a little bit about that decision? I mean, what goes into your mind is to say, do I want to start my uh, my professional career now or do I I want to go to college? What were you thinking? Um, honestly, it was pretty easy for me. Um, I had, I had no knowledge really of, of, of pro ball and kind of how pro ball works. You know, looking back now, um, you know, now that I've signed and have been, you know, playing for a few years in professional baseball there, I don't think if I were signed out of high school, I don't think I'd be where I'm at now. Um, just because I small town, kid from you know mississippi and um my dream was to go play at mississippi state and um it was gonna have to take a lot of money for me to skip out on that and um you know knowing what i know now i don't think i could have been 
put into that situation in rookie ball and and really honestly not really throwing that much in in high school I pitched because I threw hard and um I wasn't a pitcher and um there was just a lot of different factors and and it was kind of an easy decision for me um mm-hmm. growing up a Mississippi State fan that was always my dream and it was going to take a you know life changing money and I didn't get that so it was a pretty easy decision <laughs> for me and a, and a good one for me because I I grew up and I learned um, how to handle failure at, in college. So I think that helped set me up. Well, it, it's also was a good decision for those of us who are Brewers fans because you were drafted by the Brewers in, in 2014, and, and, and th- this is the organization that you've been with. So obviously you're, you're comfortable here? Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, this is all I, all I know. So, um, I mean, you, they, they say the grass is sometimes the grass can be greener on the other side, but I don't, I don't think that's true when it comes to the Brewers organization. So, um, no, this is all I know. And, and you know, drafted in '14 by the Brewers and still um, with the Brewers, and very fortunate for that. And you know, just to get to know everybody in the organization and and just um, you know, real comfortable. This has been a weird year and a half. For, for everybody, but I'm sure for professional athletes as well. I mean, last year you had the abbreviated season that was played in front of empty stadiums. It had to be really strange. And, and this year fans have been back, but not back, you know, full time. Like today you're going to have 35 or 40,000 people. How difficult has, been, has it been? How weird has it been over the last year and a half? Um, it's, I mean, last year was, was pretty tough. It was, um, you know, especially for us, we've been a playoff team the past three years and, and just being able to play in front of those big crowds and those big games and big moments, it's, it's just a total, totally different atmosphere. You can't, you know, replicate it. And, um, you know, a lot of the times that's, that's what we, we feed off. We feed off the crowd, we feed off that energy and, um, we haven't had that. So, and it's been good, you know, here when they, you know, at the beginning of the year, fans were allowed. That was a big jolt for us. And then um, here over the past couple of weeks, uh, stadiums have started to become 100%. And that's been, you know, that's been awesome. So um, we're looking forward to getting in front of, you know, full uh, full capacity here at, at uh, American Family Field. And, and, you know, seeing all the Brewers fans and, um, you know, we know they're going to be allowed, especially if that roof is closed, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. So we've been waiting for this day for a long time and um, and looking forward to, you know, having a, sure. some big crowds from uh, for some many games to come. As somebody who's – look, I'm a Brewers fan. That's how I come at it from this. And as somebody who's who's watched the development of your career since you came up in 2017, it, from the perspective of a professional athlete, I mean – I, right? Is, is there a certain point where there's like a switch that goes on and you kind of figure it out? Because you are a dominating pitcher right now, and it really started about two years ago. Is is there just a moment where you say, hey, I, I'm starting to understand this, and I, I understand what I'm supposed to do. How, how does that work? I think, um, one, this, uh, I've never, I don't think you're ever going to figure this game out. I don't think it's ever going to be figured out, but you have a good idea of what works for, for you and what works for yourself. And um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that has happened with me. Um, I got called up in 17. It was just, I'm in the big leagues. I'm trying to stay here. I'm trying to get out and still learning about myself, learning how my stuff's going to play in the big leagues. And then um, you go into 18 and 
Um, I was up and down, I think, five times that year. And um, I, it came the, – the the time where it really kind of turned around for me was probably in September of 18, leading up to the playoffs. Um, I started throwing the two-seamer and the four-seam fastball and really just saw how they played off each other. And I think that was kind of a starting point for me in terms of um, this is a good foundation um, for me going forward. And 19, it was all about um, making those two pitches the best they can be and then having other pitches to complement them. Um, and then I think after 19, I had some success. Um, and moving into 20, it was, okay, I've got the foundation of the fastballs. Now I need to make the all-speed and the breaking balls better. Um, so that was a goal of mine going into 20. And then this year it was um, I got a good foundation with all the pitches and how do I tighten all of them up, you know, make every every pitch even better and, and more consistent. So um, this game is all about consistency. And I think I've just, over the you know past few years, it's just getting in, innings under my belt and learning um, – you know, as you see these guys more and more, and they've seen you more and more, it's it, the fam familiarity is there, but it, it's harder to get these guys out. So, um, but I know what works for me. I know I understand what goes into game planning and being prepared for a start. Um, and I think that's all been super important. And and then once you go out and pitch, it's just all about competing. So, um, I've learned a lot of stuff over you know the past four years and. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not done learning. That's the that's the thing you can't ever stop learning. So um, it's just I'm trying to get better each and every day I come to the field, and I think that's the biggest biggest thing that's kind of helped me out. But um, you just you just have to learn about yourself and what works for you, and 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 uh, once you do that, you just go out and trust yourself and go pitch. Yeah, you you were talking about consistency, and I, I'm. The life as a major league, as a, as a baseball starter, is obviously different than, than being in the bullpen. You know, as a starter, do, do you have a certain routine? Like you, you pitch one day, and then the day after that, it's one thing, and the day after that, it's the next. Is is there a routine for Brandon Woodruff? Oh, 100%. Uh, and, that's, and that's with everybody. I think everybody has their, especially pitchers. Um, it might be a little bit different for bullpen guys, but um, in terms of starters and, and myself, everybody has their own own thing and um for me it's on the days i pitch i'll you know how all my stuff i do before to get prepared for the game and then um i do some stuff when i come out of the game and to help start the recovery process and um and then the next the day after i pitch is all all is geared towards recovery so um i do that and then it's move into playing some light catch and then i'll have a bullpen um mixed in there probably on that third day and then day before i start is kind of a light catch and and hang out day try to take it easy and then you get ready for the start day so and then there's you know video being watched and and you know sure. what can i do better this time in, in terms of adjustments with myself and my delivery and um just little things i try to pick apart to to make sure i'm staying on top of things and then watching video on uh the you know opposing team I'm, I'm about to face so um there's a lot that goes into it that's kind of behind the scenes that people don't really see but right. um i mean it's every day and the biggest thing right. is, like you said is consistency um and as soon as you stop doing that or you get a little lazy with it it'll start to show up in the game so 
I think the biggest thing is just being consistent with with each and every guy's routine and my routine and, and staying with that and um, just trying to hammer that out and be as consistent as possible. Hey, how do you feel about the the last week or so? I, we've been seeing all these film clips about the umpires who are now doing enhanced checks for foreign substances or whatever, and some 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 of the major league pitchers aren't responding very well to that. I think it would be kind of fair to say. I, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Is that is that is that unnecessary? Is it being overplayed? What do you think? Um, I I really don't have too much to comment on it. I mean, it's okay. They're in place. It is what it is. Um. Okay. I'm going to follow the rules. So right. um, I think that's the biggest thing. And, I mean, what am I going to do? I, I, I can't. I mean, that's just the rules. So um, it is what it is. I, I really don't have much to say about it. But, you know, let them, let them check me and, and sure. go on from there and, and just go out and, and, and let, let the pitch and do the talking, I guess. Okay, I, I asked I asked Brent Suter this question before I let you go. I, I think you might have a different answer than he did. All right, I'm okay. a traditionalist. I, I like the designated. I, I I've never really liked the designated hitter rule, but I see some pitchers, you know, get get injured running the bases and stuff. I know you love to hit. What do you think? Should they National League uh, adopt the DH? What Brent say? He said uh, he said uh, that uh, he'd like to see the that. DH I know come what he in. Said. Yeah, he 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 said that. Yeah, he said that he'd like to see the the DHB universal. Of course, of course he did, and I'm going to ask him about this as we get off. But I'm going to have to disagree with Brent. Um, I think that's what makes the National League the National League, and and you know what? I can talk about it a little bit now. Now that I got the little RBI the other day in the game, I think that's super important. <laughs> and um, uh, in terms of that, I think I helped myself out in that outing, and. Um, and it's you know if 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 you can go into an outing and you you can help yourself out and score a run, it keep one it keeps you in the game a little bit longer because the manager will you know trust you, and and two it help, it could help help the team get a win. So um, that's that's all part of the strategy of the National League, and I, I see I, I see points from both sides, but um, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with Brent, and I knew he was going to say that so. I'll have a talk with him hey. after we hang well, up. Yeah, hey, hey, yeah. hey, and, and, and you don't and, and you don't have to just rely on last week. I mean, I I remember you know 2018 when you you hit that home run off of Kershaw in the in the yeah. uh, playoffs. I mean, you. I'm exactly. telling you, you, you never know these moments. So look at Hauser. Hauser's hit two bombs this year, and Lauer hit a homer. Like you just don't get those moments. So, um, and and maybe over half the time we look like idiots up there, but that's okay. You get some pretty cool moments and. It's all part of the the managing strategy with the National League and double switching and everything that goes into it. So, um, That's it. you know, I, I don't I don't want to see it. I like it, and um, but I, I do see the advantages and disadvantages on you know both sides. So I'm not uh, oblivious to it, but uh, I'm in favor of not having the DH in the National League. That's it. Brandon, thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. It's just great to talk to you. I appreciate it. I want to wish you all the best for the rest of the year. Go Brewers. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Take care. That's Brandon Woodruff, who I, I don't I, I don't know that he would appreciate being called the ace of the Brewers staff, but he's certainly one of the aces and just a really, really nice guy. This is Jeff Wagner. We're back with more in just a minute. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, special thanks to, to Brandon Woodruff for joining us. He's uh, 
he's he's a nice guy. We we had Brent Suter in the ten o'clock hour, and just had Brandon Woodruff, and and if they sound like they're really nice guys, it's because I I think they they really are, and that's that to me. From the perspective of somebody who is a fan who occasionally gets to interact with the players because of what I do for a living, the the one thing I, I can't emphasize enough is that if you you talk to the, the these Brewers players, they really are nice guys, and I think they like what they do, and they like being on the team, and they like playing in Milwaukee, and they're just they're happy to be here. And I'm not saying there's not days where you don't have egos that come up and stuff like that, but but in general, I think what you find is some really really good people. Very very cooperative, um, and they they just they're they're just like regular folks who happen to be able to make a living doing something that that most of us can't do, like consistently you know throw a baseball at ninety five miles an hour or whatever. I, I did think that in our conversation between Brandon Woodruff and I, I, I was kind of curious about the, the decisions you make, and this comes from the perspective of somebody who you know just never never had the athletic ability to you know consider you know doing anything other than playing ball past high school or something like that but i always wondered about what the dynamic is going to be when you're sitting there and you're saying okay i'm you know here i'm coming out of high school and there there's a team that drafts me and they want to give me money how do you make that decision to you know do do i take the money and start my career or do i defer it and in the case of brandon woodruff i mean it's very clear that he thinks he made the right decision i clearly it worked out perfectly well for him he said i'm gonna to go to college i've always wanted to pitch for mississippi state so i'm gonna play there and we'll we'll let uh, everything else work out and it certainly did but just a really really good guy back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner wtmj welcome back this is our reopening day special from american family field well, this is the joys of radio we, we had a guest scheduled and then we're told he wasn't going to be able to make it but I, i'm telling you, you gotta love the milwaukee brewers because they, they come through big time we're now joined by the pride of whitefish bay my former neighbor craig council the manager of the brewers craig good morning good morning how are you I am. I am well. How how excited are you for reopening day? Forty thousand people in the stands. How great is that going to be? Yeah, no, it's fun. I think the players. Uh, it, it's almost like a little surprise we got for the players um, that they're going to you know feel something a little bit extra today, and um, it, it'll be great to see, and it'll be great moving forward. I know it's going to feel like summer in Milwaukee again. How weird has the last year and a half been? I mean, the, the abbreviated season last year played in, in front of nobody, and, and now you know a full season, but but still partial crowds. From the perspective of, of players and, and manager, how how difficult has that been? How strange has it been? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't. I don't want to sell last year short. Last year was miserable. I mean, it, it was it was as <laughs> it was as bad as it gets. It, it was just um, it was not what uh we were at all even it just didn't remotely resemble the game that we play i think um and the atmosphere that we play in so it was it was challenging for sure um you know any a return to to as we've returned kind of gradually um things feel back to normal frankly um but i think players always get an extra boost from a, a great crowd and a great atmosphere and it's something the we've been great at here in milwaukee the fans have been great at and so to to get it back again um is going to be a big deal for us 
Now, Craig, I, I had the opportunity earlier this morning to talk to Brent Suter and, and to Brandon Woodruff. I, the, you know, one of the things that, that they talk about is the camaraderie on the team and the team spirit. My sense, just as an outsider and a fan, is these are, these are players that really like each other and really like to, to be here. And, and you've got a, a real good sense of, of teamwork and team camaraderie that's going. Yeah, I think we do, and I, that's, a, that's a product of the people, um, for sure, and and the people make the place, and um, so we, we've got good people, I believe, and we, we focus on good people, and um, they they make a difference, and so the, the game of baseball, it's 162 games in 180 days for the season, and so it it it's not mandatory that you you enjoy your coworkers, but man, it really helps. And um, we we're spending a ton of time together. And uh, when you're rooting for each other and, and want to be together, um, I think it makes coming to work a, a lot more fun. You, know, you you were talking about the length of the season, 162 games and 180 days. From the perspective of us fans, a lot of times we, we live and die with a particular series or a particular game. How do you keep an even keel throughout the course of the year, not getting too up when you win seven in a row and not getting too bummed out when you lose four or five in a row, as inevitably happens over the year? Yeah, I, I, it's that's where experience is a little is is your best teacher, and you've been through it enough. Um, you understand the game teaches you quickly that if you ride an emotion as a as a player or even a manager, that if you ride the emotional roller coaster, that it will it will kind of eat you up, um, and so. It does. It, it tends to level you out. Um, there, there's still disappointing days for sure, and there's there's really fun days um, and wins and losses. But you, you you learn that you better you better kind of uh, put the governor on your emotions. Otherwise, you you can get to run through a, a pretty tough tough stretch, and and it's and you won't last, frankly. How, how difficult has has the have the injuries been this year? Because it seems like al- almost every game, and I know it hasn't been every game, but it's it's day after day. It's like okay, well, we've got this player back, and then somebody else goes down. H- has this been one of the most challenging years for you, injury wise, so far? Well, yeah. The, the the thing that's happened this year is that we've just haven't been able to get consistency, especially with our offensive players. Uh, we just haven't been able to create any consistency, kind of, with our group. So there's always something happening, um, and there's always somebody on the mend. And so um, you know, lineups have just uh, the, the the guys that we kind of want to have to be our regulars. We just haven't been able to get them together in the lineup very often. And that's that's always challenging, and it makes it challenging to score runs, which we've struggled with. So, um, you know, from a pitching standpoint, I think we've been fairly healthy, and and we've seen the results of that. But from an offensive standpoint, we haven't, and it just it just makes it for um, you know we're plugging people in and 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 missing some of our really key players, and that makes it challenging to score runs at times. At the same time, is it encouraging that even with all those injuries, you're, you're tied for first place? <laughs> you know, it, 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 so that that's got to be at least somewhat rewarding, and you've you've been able to weather the storm to an extent. Yeah, and that's what a season is about. Sometimes there's there's storms during a baseball season, and you you do have to outlast them and and weather them. And um, so we've put ourselves in a good position after you know 75 or so games, and and that's. Um, you know, in competition for a playoff spot, at, um, and and hopefully ready to to take off a little bit here. Um, 
But there's a lot of season left, and we know there's no, more storms coming. Um, that, that we know there's good days and bad days, and, and we're ready for them, I think. Hey, speaking of speaking of good days, I mean, this isn't a Brewers-related question, but but last night, uh, Zach Davies, former Brewer, you know, who uh, you know pitched for you, was was part of a no-hitter for the Chicago Cubs against the Dodgers. What did you think of that? Well, I mean, I think anytime you're part of that, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, it's history. Uh, it's it's team history. It's baseball history. So Zach Zach got to be a part of baseball history, and, and so I. That that's the cool part about it. Whether other guys helped him do it or not, um, he got to be a part of baseball history, and, and you get your name in the record books forever. You still having fun doing the job? Yeah, I am. I, I actually maybe even more more than a couple of years ago. There, there's parts of it that I'm that I'm really enjoying, and it, it's fun trying to sustain this. This is where we ultimately wanted to get to is is trying to sustain success here and, and put a playoff team uh, on the field every single year not just one year and and hope we made it so we're 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 in the sustain it mode right now and it feel it feels like we can keep this going and um and that's a challenge and that's kind of what gets you going every day do opening days ever get old i mean you you spent years as a player you've been a manager for years there's something and i i understand this is reopening day but still there's going to be 35 40,000 people in the stadium in a few hours does does that ever get old well no i mean great atmospheres in a live sporting event never get old um and that i mean that's sports like the sports and that's what we learned last year is that like a great live atmosphere for a sports game is the best and that's what opening days always are they're just a great atmosphere for a live sports event and we'll never get sick of that. And I think maybe last year told us how much we missed it um, and how different it was and how much impact it had on us um, as, you know, as athletes and as entertainers. So um, I, I think we were taught a big lesson last year about what fans mean. Um, I think all of us learned it. Uh, you know, I think the way I answered some of your questions earlier probably tell you that. Um, but we were all taught that lesson. Um, and it's so so getting a, a day like today where we, we get the great atmosphere, um, we all treasure it for sure. Craig Council, manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, thanks for spending some time with me this morning. I appreciate it. Go Brewers. Um, looking, forward to, looking forward to talking to you before the, the playoff series starts again. That sounds good. Great sports day in Milwaukee today. It is. Take care. Thanks a lot for joining us, Craig. That's Craig Council, manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. And, and again, he, he is, he's right. It's a great sports day. I mean, seriously, you know, you've got first pitch here at 3.10 in the afternoon, and then you've got the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. As I was speculating earlier, I am sure that there are going to be people that are here this afternoon and that are going to be scooting down to the Deer District or Pfizer Forum to pick up the Bucks game as well. doesn't get much better than that if you are a Wisconsin sports fan or Milwaukee sports fan. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Well, my time here is, is almost up. If, if, if you cannot tell, I, I just absolutely love this. These are, and again, I understand this is reopening day, not the formal opening day, but it, it's, this has an opening day feel, but for the fact that it, it's a lot warmer than it typically is in March or April around here. But I, I love the opportunity to interact with the players and the managers and stuff like that. And if you listen to me regularly from noon to three, it, it's kind of a different, you, you hear the Jeff Wagner fanboy coming out. That's, that's kind of what you do. And, and talking to guys like, like Brent Suter, who went, went to Harvard. I mean, like, like I say, there's, 
six, there's 46 U.S. presidents. Six or seven or eight went to Harvard. Okay, there's like 20,000 major league baseball players. Like only like two went to Harvard. Souter is one of those. I just think that's an interesting thing. And Brandon Woodruff, who just seems like the nicest guy in the world, and of course Craig Council, who is uh, the embodiment uh, of of. I mean, he's he is the embodiment of a Wisconsin athlete, both as uh, when he was uh, actually on the field and now as the manager. And it's just so great to see that the Brewers are doing so very very well. So that that's that's all exciting and it's fun and it's just a blast here and what's going on just to give you an idea is i've been here since about 7 30 this morning the parking lots don't technically open up until one o'clock but already now we're starting to see cars lined up and i one of my big questions was i saw these people that are in line to get in here and they had the tailgate open and i was wondering if they were going to start having their tailgate before they actually got to the parking slot but i don't think so but it looks like in the next couple minutes i would say that they're going to actually start opening up and letting people park. Technically, it's not until 1 o'clock, but it's going to be a great couple hours. John McCure from Wisconsin's Afternoon News. John's going to be doing his version of Wisconsin's Afternoon News in my regular time slot and stuff, and you're going to really be able to give, John, people the, the feeling of this, because I, I think in 30 minutes or so, my guess is there's going to be people, you know, these parking lots are going to start getting full, and you're going to have the grills going and the baseballs flying back and forth and things like that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is fun because you can see all the cars lined up, and, Jeff, some of these cars have been here already for a couple of hours waiting to get into the parking lot. And you really sense an excitement as I was walking up to our location from where we park. There were a lot of people in line to buy tickets, yeah, yeah. which was really cool. We've I saw a, a dad with two flow. boys. We've had a steady flow all day of people parking in front of yeah. us and going over to get the tickets. And, yeah, and there still are. I mean, it, look, they're going to have a huge crowd today, 35,000, 40,000 people. But for people who are mm-hmm. looking for something to do on a nice warm Friday. On a Friday. Come on out. Yeah, man. come on out. There's definitely going to be a little bit of room for you out here. So uh, come on out. I heard that some good tickets are actually still available and lots of very affordable tickets. So, man, let's celebrate this. It's reopening day. It's kind of before. For Summerfest and State Fair and the ethnic festivals, this is the really big thing after Fiserv that we're all able to finally do together. Right. Yeah, it's and, a great day. Let's go. Right. And, and the, the the really cool thing is, as I was saying earlier, you know, I, I'm a partial season ticket holder, so I've been to maybe a half dozen games this year. And on a selfish perspective, okay, it's one thing to kind of walk in when there's no lines and and mm-hmm. you're sitting in a row and there's you and your buddy and there's nobody else in the row or there's two people and, and there's no lines to get beer and there's no lines for the bathrooms and stuff. But at the same time, and, and the, even those smaller crowds can be loud, but it's a different experience. It's something... I mean, I, I miss the vendors. You know, the, yep. you know, Rick Schlesinger was talking about how they employ like three thousand people. Wow! And, and so, you know, you're going to have the vendors back. You're going to have the, the people hawking the different stuff. You're going to have you know full range of parking lot attendants mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it really think about what that does to the local economy. You know, to have three thousand people working. Yeah, you know, it's a small thing, but when we were out here for the original opening day, opening day one, there were no porta potties. Because there was almost nobody in the parking lot. The porta potties are back. The parking attendants are back. The excitement is back here at American Family Field, uh, and it's so fun that the Brewers are relevant. And I loved what Craig Council said about building a team that you don't just hope gets into the playoffs every few years, right. but having the mindset and the culture that no, we want to be a factor every well, single you, you year. Want, right. You want you want it to be sustainable. That's the important thing. Now, on your porta potty point, this this might be like too much information, <laughs> but I mean it. The, I, I mean I there I can guarantee they're back. 
and and I christened one over here. You know, I mean, I've been here since seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, so I checked one out too. Right, well, exactly. You didn't, you know, you don't have to wait in line. That is that is the advantage. That's one of the perks of our job that you get here and you get to be the first one to use the porta potty. And it's better to be before the game than after the game. <laughs> That's it. You know, another. It's funny the little things you miss, like where our broadcast location is a fabulous location out here, uh, not far from the restaurant. Is that all the shuttles from the bars pull up right here? Oh, right. And I never thought I would really say that I miss people stumbling onto and off of the shuttles, but part of the excitement is seeing the community come together and all those little tiny buses pull up right here, which will be happening coming up in about an hour. Oh yeah, and, and then you get to, you get a chance to watch some of the people, you know, and oh that that person was at that particular place or, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Huh, I, I didn't rather uh-huh. realize that place ran shuttles. No, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I will wrap up. Stick around. You're listening to our reopening day coverage from American Family. Field. I'm Jeff Wagner.